Christian here. Yes. Hello. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 34 of Cookie Pocket. This podcast is about film. How are you kids doing today? Um, I'm doing all right, Mitch. All right. All right. All right. So, we are discussing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'm taking my time between my jokes, like this film does sometimes too often. (laughs) (laughs) Monty Python and the Holy Grail is a 1975 British comedy film directed by Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones, the Terry Boys, and was written and performed by Monty Python, the comedy group of which they came from, uh, which also consists of Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, and... Oh, I already said Terry Jones. Oh, well... (laughs) Terry Jones, number two, and Michael Palin. (laughs) The film is essentially a parody of the Arthurian legend. (laughs) English class terms, can't pronounce. Completely pummeling it to dust with 527 jokes with an average of a joke every 10 and a half seconds. I did not clock that myself. Some IMDb... Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> um, it, star- it stars a lot of sirs and peasants and women in a special castle that is definitely not from 2021. So what did you guys think of the film? I'm done my tirade. Uh, well, I-, I guess I'll jump in first, as I am often want to do. Um, so I-, I enjoy this film. I think Monty Python and the Holy Grail is probably up there with Ghostbusters as one of the most quoted movies of all time. Even if you haven't seen this film, you probably know most of the bits and most of the gags from it because uh, high schoolers and um, theater kids of the more annoying variety are very fond of quoting it. Um, I will say, though, compared to later Monty Python efforts... This is probably one of my... uh, This probably falls lower on the scale of my preferences for their films... Um, partially because although the jokes are very funny and it's and um, you know the the acting is absurd and whatnot, although the content is humorous, it's not really filmed with any kind of style, um, <laughs> it, 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 which sort of takes away from the film, in my opinion. Um, one of the reasons this movie's so funny is that in a lot of cases, there's totally absurd things happening on screen, and everybody in the film takes it entirely seriously. Uh, the knights who say "ni," for instance, are entirely absurd, but everybody in the film acts like they're entirely terrifying. Um, and that's kind of where the humor comes from. I think if they were filmed in a way that made them look imposing and frightening and almost added to it to kind of put us in the perspective of the characters, if it had a little more style in that regard, it could kind of complement the humor. Um, and since that's not there, I do think it takes away from the film a little. But it is still an absolute classic. It's really funny. It's a four out of five. I just, when I watch it, I can't help think of uh, things that Monty Python later did with their films that could have maybe been done here to, to spice it up a little bit. So if it was more like Suspiria is what you're saying. No. <laughs> if it had more of a noticeable style, which Suspiria does, yes. But then again, um, you know, Mr. Bean's Holiday has a noticeable style as well. So <laughs> Nice. Okay, Christian. <laughs> you well, can go Zach. I don't know what you have against Mr. Bean all of a sudden. <laughs> um, I, I'm learning a lot about about your uh, your critical processes uh, lately. It would seem because um, mm. I'm going to have to disagree with you on your style note. I, I one of my favorite things about this film is how it just it just presents as it is. 
and it doesn't really feel the need to to mock up anything uh anything more like the jokes are just the jokes and um i i guess um like when i watch a movie i'm not really thinking unless if it's for cookie pocket sometimes i'm not really thinking (laughs) about like lighting or or shot composition or or anything especially technical and um the same goes for like a, a book or or a song like i'm not i'm not really all right maybe sometimes for a song because i'm yeah. a music minor but anyway that's besides the point well yeah, uh, i'm a I'm film major is... so you know we're in the yeah. same boat here i am I'm a computer science major yeah so whenever <laughs> you use the internet you <laughs> and whenever also a Zach's... history minor <laughs> explains a lot uh what was i trying to say I, I care less about style, I think. Yes, um, I think you do. At least, at least in this context. And I think um, maybe maybe this is even specific to the genre of comedy. Like, I, I think the jokes are the jokes, kind of. And um, I like how those are, are presented purely. And um, I, I couldn't help but think that that uh, Seth MacFarlane must have seen this movie many times. Oh, <laughs> because totally. There are, there are a few bits that are like... Um, that are like Family Guy bits when when Seth MacFarlane doesn't know how to end the joke, except it works kind of better here. And of yeah. course, it, this was mm-hmm. so far before Family Guy. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, I liked it a lot. Um, I have I had seen this this film before and uh, had given it a four out of five, and I, I'm sticking with that number. I think it's really great. Um, you know, it's occasionally, I guess, a little draining for for the same reasons we might call an Edgar Wright film um, tiring because of how how much it is ah, ah, how many things happen so quickly. <laughs> but uh I, I like it i think it's great i think it's uh, deservedly iconic mm-hmm. i would tend to agree with christian more than zach i would say <laughs> except with all the good things zach said i agreed with <laughs> but i also am not i i think what's important is what's important from an objective, Ooh. subjective standpoint. All right, thank you, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> and I think style is... I think everything is connected, like the tree in Avatar, The Last Airbender. <laughs> and I think that style only matters if it's a priority of the director. Yeah. And Monty Python does not care about style, so they're not going to put emphasis on style. Huh? What were you going to say, Zach? You can I interrupt. Think, I think they do. <laughs> I think they do care about style because the show has a very definite style. And even in later films, like uh, Meaning of Life, I- I'm not saying you constantly need like a fast-paced, really visual like style yeah, that yeah. kind of consumes the whole film. But in the Meaning of Life, for instance, whenever Death shows up, he's mm. shot with kind of a gloomy, atmospheric air that makes him look very dramatic. And that kind of adds to the humor because you have this really heavy, dramatic-looking character in an entirely undramatic situation. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do think they care about style. I just think this being their first kind of uh, foray, that's a word, I wanted to say foyer, their first foray into, <laughs> into filmmaking um, outside of television, I don't think they've quite figured out how to work style into their films rather than into the more restricted television landscape. Okay. Fair point, fair point. However, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, think, I, think, I think this film is hilarious, and I think... Uh, I think that there's there's a certain they they attack a lot of different like forms of comedy that's really mm-hmm. easy to um, appeal to everyone with, and I think that's a lot 
harder than say like Deadpool, which kind of relies on a lot of uh, you know crude humor, crude humor, <laughs> crude humor, <laughs> crude humor, and um, just. Deadpool being Deadpool that everyone expects Deadpool to be, as well as Ryan Reynolds, because it's basically the same freaking person. So, um, yeah. So this is definitely a lot more complex than it may appear on on a first viewing, maybe. And I think, I think there's a lot of substance that is really never. And I don't really see it often at all um, in modern comedies. I don't think it'll ever really be oh, reached yeah. again. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm not saying these are like super complex. Like you have to be huge brain to. <laughs> figure out like what these jokes mean i just feel like that there's a lot of uh, there's there's just such a heavy mix of different types of jokes and the lengths at which they're approached and just i don't know i just they they really cared it feels like they really put a lot of thought and love into a lot of different uh aspects of it and i just Mm. i just think that really comes across in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um for the most part, I feel like there's like right when I was like squinting my eyes in the beginning at the credits, I'm like, I don't know, I think maybe a, maybe a three and a half or a four. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like Zach had mentioned, I feel like it definitely picks up later on. Um, yeah. So I'll start start off by saying this film did come out in 1975. So I believe none of us were born yet by that point. <laughs> um, and it's full of, as Terry Gilliam once said, typical Python nonsense. So what parts aged badly for you, and do you think the aged parts are justified by their time, or do you think that they could be altered and just removed completely, coming from either, like, now perspective or the perspective of them at the time making the film? I don't really know if any of it's aged badly. I think all of it is at least still funny to a certain extent. Uh, The only bit that I think maybe isn't really all that funny now and maybe was funnier in 75 is um i think it's sir gawain i'm not sure galahad. somebody the chaste um when galahad. He, galahad, galahad there we go I'm when when he goes to um to the castle and there's all the i guess they're they're nuns ladies there and they're, they're not all, nuns, they, Zach. <laughs> Yes, of course. I'm not up to date on my Catholicism. Um, But they, and they all want to have sex with him. Um, And at the time, I could see that being amusing because uh, it's still, I mean, the the days of cinema, of the Hays Code and whatnot, and of of films being extremely limited in, like, you can't even talk about sex on film. Like, that were less than ten years ago at that point. So I think the sort of, ooh, a naughty sex joke in a movie. It was still sort of risque. Um, but nowadays we, we have like sex and violence and full frontal nudity, even in our comedies, like minute after minute. So I don't think that's quite as effective as it might've been in 75. I, I think the gags like are still sound. I don't think it's insulting, but I just, I don't think it's as funny as it probably was then. Uh, I still think it's, fairly funny i mean with respect to that specific gag i think the only part that hasn't aged especially well is when uh the one uh woman says that they're all aged um from from 16 to 19 and a half um that 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 maybe is not the ideal range for for a 2021 audience that's kind of the uh, point but yeah (laughs) yeah i know And, and i mean in context i think it works i don't like i if, I, I I hesitate to defend this too staunchly, but uh, you know it's it's fr- it's from 1975, and uh, yeah, I I, I stop uh, talking. Yeah, 
<laughs> Would you like me to help you digging this hole? <laughs> I'll I'll just lay in my bed as I've made it, Zach. Thank you. I have, for some reason, I have a particular problem with the animated parts, and I understand hmm. that. I understand like the transitions and stuff, like the, the general transitions. But right when they're making jokes within the animation, I feel like it was just overused. Oh, that's that's I know that's a very stuff, common man. Python thing. Yeah, which I don't like, but that's wow. just my personal preference. Um, I, I wish I there was like more. Hurts. Okay, Zach, your opinion <laughs> oh, is I'm gonna invalid. fence it. <laughs> I'm gonna I... sit on this fence really high, <laughs> away from you misogynists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I did. I do not wish that there were more, but I do think the one gag wherein. The animated monster is chasing them, but then the animator dies. That's like yes. maybe the funniest part of the whole movie for yes. me. I agree. But uh, yeah, and I and also I always feel like you go ahead, Zach. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure the animator is played by Terry Gilliam, and he did all the animations for the show, so that adds another <laughs> layer of humor to it as well. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, fair. That's fair. <laughs> but but I mean that's I I don't know. I feel like there was. I, I like the scenes in general. I just feel like it, it hurts the pacing. And I do feel like there is pacing here. Because oh, yeah. a lot of the time, you would, you'd feel like the films that have such, like, are so rapid fire on the gags are, like, doing it more rec- recklessly than controlled. And I feel like the, the narrative is just barely there mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where you want to see what they actually do, like, what happens. You know, and just having that, all you need is, they, they understood, Python understood that all they need is that one thing. They just need yeah. some great thing to go after. And then they can do whatever they want in between. Yeah. And as we find out, they don't even get to that thing anyway. And that was a perfect uh, yeah. rendition, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so what do you think is the most important component component of the film that makes it as timeless and accessible as it is nearly half a century later? Hmm. That's an excellent question. I'm not sure if this is like my definitive answer, but something that was already on my mind before you'd asked that question was the pacing, like you said, and um, sort of the the space between each joke and the rapid fire nature of it. And I think um, maybe in that regard, it has aged well, because I think a lot of older films are not um, concerned with um, being as as quick off the draw, whereas... um, I, th- I think it's generally true that that um, films that are made more recently uh, understand that audiences tend to have a shorter attention span, and um, that's not an issue at all with this, despite yeah. despite the fact that it's uh, my goodness, like almost fifty years old. I guess that's crazy. Yep. Um, so I, I guess I would say the uh, in some strange way the, the pace is is a strength, even if it's occasionally tiring. I think. Um, it's more so a strength than it is a weakness um, for, for attention span reasons. I, I think, in terms of comedy at least, one of the greatest strengths here is the total lack of time-specific pop cultural references. Because I think Ooh. that's what kills a yeah. lot of comedies. Specifically from like the 2000s and the 2010s is the <laughs> constant, oh, Nicki Minaj, oh, Deadpool, <laughs> oh, Lady Gaga, like jokes that Zach, work, no. that, that have a, a, a shelf date of, like, uh, that week. Um, and then, so, like, the next year, everybody's wow. like, what, what is this? This is I can't believe funny you anymore. think so little of Nicki Minaj's career, Zach. Like, I, <laughs> my, my point is, though, that these jokes at the expense of, like, current personalities 
uh, or whatever's in the media that week tend to age really poorly, um, regardless of what year they come out, because people forget about tabloid gossip. Um, it, it, maybe it doesn't take a month or a year, but you know, after a decade or more, they're going to forget about it. And this mm -hmm. film doesn't have any of that. All the humor in this is able to stand entirely on its own as a film or as a joke in its own right. It doesn't need you to have studied 1975 going in to know, okay, they're going to make a joke about uh, the queen because she fell over at this point at a press gala. Like, y you just, all you need to do is watch the movie and you can get the jokes and you don't need to have that dated perception of the time going in. And they can they can rely on the assumption that nobody knows anything about King Arthur at all. Yeah. Um, and even if you do, it's completely useless. And they joke at that quite a few times. Um, yeah. And I feel like that is really easy, you know, to go off of. But um, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the... I think Zach really had a good point. I think you both had good points. But I think Zach really had a, um, a particularly good point uh, concerning the pace... Not the pacing. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> um, Zach, you and your I don't points. know. I... Dang it, Zach was so big brain. Um, I, I, I like both of what you said was so good. I, I don't even know what I could follow up with. But I, I like their cohesion and their ability to portray jokes in in such an accessible way, where it's like they're like 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 not only that they're not time restricted, but also they're just they they're anti jokes. There's a lot of anti jokes which are mm -hmm. have to be executed correctly. Um, and just a lot of the self-aware humor, um, is well paced out. You know, there's not a lot of like consistent, you know, like Christian had mentioned about Family Guy. Family Guy does this all the time and it <laughs> kind of destroys a lot of the episodes. Yeah. Everything's so self-aware that it's like, it appears more as a mess than it is anything else. Hmm. Um, but I think that, I think the anti-jokes really are the most memorable moments. And I feel like just the self-awareness that it has, um, is so easily adaptable to any situation um, that the Monty Python crew uh, finds themselves in. And I feel like that's one of the better parts. I should mention, by the way, that Zach is a avid fan of Cardi B, um, as I go on to this completely unrelated question. Um, okay, I, I think WAP is funny. All right, that doesn't mean I'm a fan Zach of Cardi B. Oh, no, Zach, no. Anyway, anyway uh, Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones have never directed before, right? And consider this an opportunity to learn how to direct. <laughs> so do you think this inexperience ever comes across as a detriment to the quality or effectiveness of the film as a comedy? Or does it contribute to its staunch focus on absurdity, absurdity and irony? Uh, How tremendously relatable. You have the box <laughs> to fill in your answer for this BCR. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to write in cursive, really small, so I can fit more okay. in the box. Um, <laughs> so, I already mentioned that I think the lack of a style kind of... Uh, it doesn't hurt some of the jokes, but in some cases I think they could have made more of jokes with more of a visual style. But I will say, um, and you know, I've, I've been talking to Christian about this recently as he's taken his first step into, into directing film. Uh, mm -hmm. Most people have some kind of... It doesn't matter if you're a trained director necessarily. If you have a thing that you know you want to see and you're able to execute deliberately you know, what you want to do in order to put that on film then you're a director, and you're going to get something that works in some regard nine times out of ten. 
And I, I think they have that here. Maybe they've never directed before, but they know what they want and they know what's funny and they have experience as comedians and they know about timing. And if you know about timing, then you're halfway to knowing how to edit. So they, they have all the tools there to make a film. Uh, so maybe this movie is a little flat, but I think, you know, they knew what they were going for. And therefore, I think the film comes across exactly as they wanted it to. Mm. Okay. Nice job dodging the question, Zach. Uh, <laughs> because it, it was presented as a as a two choice. Is it is it a is their inexperience a good or bad? And I can tell Zach thinks to some extent it's bad based on based on our prior style uh, debate. He's gonna get but, a two um, on this AP exam. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I think that it is a benefit, and uh, I I don't really have much to add to my early comments about style, but I really just think the jokes are the jokes and i i don't know i think there's something to be said about presenting something in its purest form if that's a lo-fi recording or an inexperienced uh product from an inexperienced director i don't know i think i think it like like zach said um even if you're not a director if if you're passionate enough about something that you choose to spend a tremendous amount of, of time and effort creating it then there's going to be something there and I think sometimes style can subtract from that if that's too much of a thing. So the jokes are the jokes, and they're really good, and that is all I have to say about that. Hmm. I tend to agree with Christian. Wow. <laughs> Again. I'm, I'm 0 for 2 this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Yes, I. Anytime I tried to focus on the direction, I instantly remembered that this was Monty Python, and we have to find the freaking Holy Grail. And okay, that's <laughs> that's what I remember, Zach. Okay, I'm not like, hmm, ist meine style. I don't know where it is. Um, there's there's not enough. The framing here is just so bad. I'm like, no, Zach, you're missing it's never the bad. point. It yes. just it's, could be better. It's Castle Anthrax, Zach. Okay, <laughs> it, it's Castle Anthrax. It is there. Okay, that's it. Yeah, nothing else. And. Yes, the, there are moments where the direction is very like I film this, but <laughs> the, the, the the plot may not thicken. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> the the jokes are funny, and that's that. The Christian Merrick, twenty twenty one. And um, I think I think that the 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 acting and the the synergy in the group uh, stands so well on its own. Um, in this case, and in a lot of cases. Um, I do occasionally agree, though. There are some scenes where you realize that it's dragging out, the gag is dragging out, and then you're like, you start to notice all of the normal things that you would expect um, in a film that happens to be good, according to Zach Garrigus. So, but in any other case, um, I I mostly was I'm pretty pretty indifferent to it, you know, you know. But I I thought I thought it wasn't I thought it wasn't that bad considering it was their first time, and yeah. it was a huge foray for them. A foyer, as Zach had <laughs> so eloquently said, using his French language. Um, so Michael Palin, who literally played 12 characters in this, said nearly everyone played the characters they had written. Also, Terry Gilliam once explained that if one member leaves, the entire group dies, similar to the Beatles, apparently. Um, he, himself, <laughs> he himself dies four times in the film. Uh, do you think the Monty Python troupe functions better as a comedy group and isolated skits or as a cast of actors that each play different characters in a lower budget looking full length film? I think those two are kind of the same thing. 
Not necessarily. Beca- because but... every scene in this movie, every scene in basically every Monty Python movie, is basically just a sketch. Mm-hmm. And in and the movie is like an elongated episode of the Mo- of Monty Python's Flying Circus that happens to be set in medieval England. I I think they in in bringing themselves to film. I think Monty Python absolutely knew what their strengths were and knew how they could adapt themselves to film because this basically is just like a set episode of the show with a theme. Um, so you could take two scenes from this and show them to somebody. And they might think they were by the same people, but they wouldn't necessarily go, oh yeah, that's the same movie. Like if you took, um, I don't know, the Spamalot sequence, and then you put it next to uh, the animator having a fatal heart attack. Uh, Like somebody might guess that those were made by the same people, but I don't necessarily think they would say, oh yeah, that's, that's the same movie. Uh, and this is what the plot of said movie is, and that guy has that arc, and that guy has the other. Um, I think it's very much just, like, scene, 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 kind of a plot, and then they get arrested. Like, it's it's very it's very Python in how absolutely absurd and nonsensical and lacking in a story it is. Okay, okay. Hmm. Well, Zach, it seems I can never <laughs> agree with you. Um, I'm familiar I... with the situation. <laughs> To be uh, to be fair, I haven't had a ton of, I haven't had any really any Monty Python experience outside of this film. Um, I've never seen any of the of the show or, or even like Life of Brian or, or anything else. Um, it's on the list, but who knows when that list will be, complete. Um, but I I didn't I I know they're kind of like loosely interconnected sketches, but I wouldn't understate. Um, the story like i i think things are pretty clearly connected like it's certainly much more cohesive than than some random snl episode like uh, to me it didn't feel like everything was so far out of left field i think the variety of of the jokes might contribute to a similar feeling but it, it never felt like to me um a bit was included for the sake of including the bit that then subtracted from the story so i i didn't really have I guess I didn't think the similarities to a sketch show were, were ever an issue as far as the story went, but I, I can't really say much about um, how it compares to their show, having not seen any of it. I, I would say um, SNL might not be the best direct comparison, just because SNL being live and having constant celebrity guests makes a right. big mm-hmm. difference, I think. Yeah, yeah, with the timely references and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. So if you had, like, the top ten and SNL actors make a movie... How would that go? Oof. You'd have to have them be friends and mix show for several years first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Someone, uh, well, yeah. someone put Chevy Chase in therapy stat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Vegas vacation. I love that one. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I, I agree I agree with Christian. <laughs> yeah. But, I've but, 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 but. I I do think I think that there's there's not a lot of deep plot investment and character investment but there's a lot of it on a shallow end and like it's really light. Like there's very slight character differences not just because of the actors but because of the actual characters because the characters are actually very slightly different in the way that they're portrayed and then we see that with their so-called backstories that end up just being ridiculous anyway. 
But still, I feel like there's a little bit of substance in them. I don't feel like they're absolutely so spontaneous that they have to rely on the overarching narrative. I feel like that the scenes themselves and the the kind of prequel renditions for each character, I feel like, have some substance in them. Um, even though it becomes meaningless, I feel like it's there um, in, in those sequences. And that's I think that's one of the contributing reasons why it isn't just a set of skits and then connected by the Arthur thing mm-hmm. and the Grail. I also feel like the characters have like a building kind of thing. Not to the extent of something like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where no. the scenes you remember are funny because the you know what to expect from the actors as well as the characters that are, that are actively being developed and actually have really good arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this case, I feel like there's just enough of like little boop, you know, character arcs here and there that I feel like it keeps it it keeps the audience interested in in the plot, um, not only just for what's going to be the next gag, um, in my opinion. But yeah. I can totally see that there's definitely a lot of that, that you can kind of see seeping through that in certain mm-hmm. occasions that it's just a skit on top of yeah. this narrative. Um, but you know, to each his own. I'm going to go back on my fence now. <laughs> Even if they are disparate skits, the. Pretty much all of them are grounded in the, some sort of medieval sensibilities. Right. Like I don't, I don't think you could make jokes about marrying for huge tracts of land in any timely context. So right. I, I, like they, they all share a pretty similar setting. Yeah. yeah. And the setting is also a big contributor. And then that, that also ends up not mattering, as I foray <laughs> into my own. I'm using foray now. This is my new yes. uh, <laughs> verb that I've been provided by Mr. Garrigus. Um, fun fact. Uh, Arthur's army at the end was entirely made up of 175 students from Scotland's University of Stirling. Um, how about the ending, and can we all agree on it? And do you think having the Middle Ages set a setting up to that point, which hints at the police following them, is a part of what made it effective? I like the ending a lot. Um, and I think it particularly works because... A, we have the setup of the police throughout, which at first seems like when they just cut the narrator's head, uh, I can't remember if they cut his throat or they cut his head off, but when they just, when they attack the narrator, at first it's like, oh my goodness, well that was a comical way to end a scene. And then, like, it continues to build on itself throughout. So I think them getting arrested is the perfect anticlimax for the end of the film. But I also think it works because, in a way, this movie almost has the same feeling of something like, say, The Muppets where it feels like a bunch of people putting on a show rather than an actual medieval timeline, which partially, mm-hmm. which adds to the fact, like, these people are playing multiple different characters, and it's obviously them multiple different times. Like, I think it adds to that feeling of, we're making a movie, and oh no, the, the, the cops have showed up, and we don't have a permit, and we kind of accidentally killed somebody earlier. Oh no! Like, it, it, it works mm-hmm. on, like, multiple levels of humor, I think. Um, now seems like a good as, as good a time as any to confess that I didn't really notice any of the times that the actors were recycled. They're all just kind of British man number one, British man <laughs> number two. Um, That's a good point. I agree with that. I mean, I, some of the greatest comedians who ever lived, Christian. Yeah, they're they're great, Zach. They're still British man number whatever to but me. But I'll add on before Christian is too smart for me. Um, that. They 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 put a lot of effort into actually grounding it in the middle middle ages and it mm-hmm. actually there's so much like the makeup is actually pretty good like for the time and the costumes yeah. are really good and the props and everything except like, when they're not meant to be 
Except when they're not meant like to be. Like the three-headed and... giant is who yes. never moves. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's not. So there's a lot of layers to this onion, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to add, um, though I will say Zach was talking about how the whole like police thing was building up throughout. And I, I was sitting here thinking that sounds a lot like having having a plot to me. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. You can have a recurring gag without having there is a plot here, but mm. it's very, very loose. It's basically just a light strand to hang jokes on. And some of those uh. jokes recur. Uh, like in Monty Python, every now and then you'll have a sketch that refers back to an older sketch. Mm. Um, but I don't think there's, I don't think you can, I don't think I could diagram this plot. I couldn't well, put this script up on the board and say, all right, act one, kids. <laughs> I think the lightness of the strand is pretty subjective. Mm-hmm. And the strand sure. is pretty thickums towards the end. It's like <laughs> the man kills everybody in the car and the military comes almost type of thick. Ooh, there you go, Ooh. Christian. Feel that burn. <laughs> <laughs> we're breaking the boundaries of reality here <sighs> oh speaking of breaking brown boundaries of reality um the fourth wall breaks are also uh very effective um and i feel like they had like one like one parentheses one uh, free coupon for having a direct <laughs> like actor look at camera moment um in the castle anthrax and that was it and um even the fourth wall breaks have variety yeah, um yeah. And I just think that's, you know, and, and just, I don't know. It's just, it's, they're, they're just a really good comedy group. And they, I think they did a really good job, especially with, uh, you know, how, how limited they were in their knowledge and using technicians from BBC and such. But anyway, um, any final thoughts before we go on? Huh. I don't think so. I liked it. Okay. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't a, <laughs> uh-huh. a critical thought. But they got some of their uh, stock music for this film from the DeWolf Archive. And I use the DeWolf Archive for my hey. short films. So that was a fun little fun little uh, point of notice. You should use the organ thing at the end. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I do like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, now this would usually be when Zach tries to take over. But this time I have seen the lady floating across the lake. And I have claimed the throne as... King oh. Mitchell of the Cookie Pockets, <laughs> and I will say we are not. We are doing week in review. We are, yes. Except it's a okay. special one this time because we went to an undisclosed location, <laughs> and uh, uh, we witnessed <laughs> the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Um, so I can my brain can hurt after hearing more Edgar Wright bass in my ears (laughs) um so i don't know how we can introduce this i'm not used to this um i don't know let's let's start with uh let's start with Shaun of the dead and what we thought of that guys yeah yeah very 3.5 out of 5 it was fun it was Mm -hmm. funny and um yeah i I, as my first introduction to the peg frost dynamic i i found it particularly charming um i think uh i've heard different preferences from from different folks in the reviews that i've seen in terms of whether they like the dramatic or the comedic moments more i tend to like the comedic stuff and and the first half of the film much more than the ending um i I just think it works better and um the ending kind of loses me when it sort of becomes i think to some extent standard zombie fare but i think uh, great fun well directed 3.5 out of 5 well i really like Shaun of the dead i really like all the films in this trilogy 
because they're not just comedies. Uh, and because, mm. you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead is very much a comedy, but there's aspects of it that are, that are very much straight horror. Um, Hot Fuzz is a comedy, but there's aspects of it that are legitimately cool as an action movie. And mm. The World's End uh, is a comedy, but the science fiction in it is, is you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. Um, so I, I think Shaun of the Dead really works because it balances those comedic moments with the more grounded moments, and you've got that contrast, which makes the funny stuff funnier. Um, I think that if it was nothing but the gags and the zombies weren't taken as seriously, I don't think the movie would be as funny or as effective. So it gets a four out of five for me. Also because I just, I, I love the, uh, I love Peg and Frost. I, I think they're a great duo, and Edgar Wright knows how to direct them extremely well. Mm-hmm. I really like the, I really like a lot of the aspects of Shaun of the Dead, more so in the beginning than the end. And I gave it a three and a half out of five, the same as Christian, because I feel like you have a lot of creative uh, flexibility, creative flexibility, um, <laughs> at the beginning of a zombie film rather than the end of it. Um, yeah. And I feel like the end of it, you really have to know what you're doing. And um, when the film tries to not take itself seriously uh, towards the end and then all of a sudden has to insert dramatic moments, I feel like is it feels a little bit artificial. It didn't feel... It felt like we are kind of swimming from scene to scene, um, treading water, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't swim. Uh, treading water staying still. But anyway, um, I, I felt like we were, we're waiting, waiting. That's what I meant. Waiting okay. through the swamp towards the end. Yeah. And um, yeah, I gave it a three and a half out of five, but I really liked it as an Edgar Wright film. And I thought there were some really memorable moments, um, at least in the first half. Um, the last half felt a little bit more generic. But uh, Hot Fuzz uh, was my, probably, probably my favorite one. And, Great. Um, I was very taken aback and then heavily invested <laughs> because of the ending. And it wasn't, the ending started to go on at just the right pace. It wasn't like Blazing Saddles where it's just, it just never ends. But yeah. it was more like it, 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 every, every, they had to, they feel like they had to tie every loose end. And you thought, oh yeah, the loose ends can just dangle there because yeah. they're funny to look at. Nope, we're going to take this really seriously and tie them all off. That sea mine is going to blow up. <laughs> right. And I gave the film a four and I thought that, you know, kind of similar problems uh, with kind of trying to make things more meaningful than they really are. But I still thought it was really, really good. And I thought they pulled off the action sequence really well. It was surprisingly like a good action sequence, too. Yeah. Um, and I thought the story aspects were woven in there really well. And, and I thought there was some pretty surprising moments. But what did you guys think? Yeah, I, I gave it a three. Um, so I guess... That would make it my least favorite, but I still enjoyed it a lot. I think um, it sort of took a minute to get going for me. Like, when he's just kind of grumpy cop, not much going on in the country. Um, before the plot really kicks in, I was kind of just like, eh. But, uh, but once we get to the end and the action sequences uh, started occurring, I, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy definitely directed Baby Driver. <laughs> and it <laughs> yeah, all made yeah. sense to me. Um, so, yeah, it was it was. I don't have much more to add. Um, my, my three is not um, really an indication of dislike more than it is like a different level of how much I liked it, I would say. But yeah, that's good. Yeah, I really like Hot Fuzz. I think technically it's probably the best of the three uh, because the editing is absolutely incredible, especially yeah. since I'm pretty sure they shot this on film, uh, which would mean that they would actually have to splice all those different pieces together which is not only an artistic achievement, but a massive physical and technical achievement as well. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I think it's really funny. 
And I also think the ending, when it spontaneously turns into a western right before the action scene breaks out, is really, really cool. Um, him turning around at the door of the police station with the toothpick in his mouth is uh, probably one of the coolest shots in all the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. The World's End was uh, was something. That was a that was a powder keg waiting to blow up. Yeah. And we didn't even know there was a powder keg. <laughs> and dear listeners, if you want to watch The World's End, watch it before hearing all of our spoilers. Oh yeah. Yes. So I, I would recommend t- watching all three of these in order personally. But I, I do yes. think World's End you, you get more out of it if you've seen the first two first. But right. And you don't even feel like you feel like Simon Pegg is genuinely just three different people. Like it's yeah. absolutely yeah. insane. Same thing yeah. with Nick Frost too. To an extent, but I I don't even know what to say about the world's end. Uh, I believe I gave it a four, and I was thinking it might be my favorite one, but there was some really like unnatural inserted lines, and t- to me, um, it's t- towards the end. I thought I felt like it was like like some type of love story or something about these guys towards the end. I was like, wow, you guys really just made this a whole like alien invasion thing. You're trying to bring me back to reality. Oop, there goes gravity. And I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know how that would work thematically, but I mean that those were so isolated. And I thought the just the, the general surprise of everything and how well it was executed and how, how much, how much investment went into creating this narrative was so apparent um, from Edgar Wright's, perspective so i i really liked it um zach definitely blew up my mind like they were blowing up the aliens minds in it so i loved the world's end it was definitely my favorite i gave it a 4.5 out of 5 even though it probably doesn't deserve that high of a number like if i was really really being a critic i would probably i feel like technically it might even be the least impressive of the three which i think zach thinks as well but Mm -hmm. um i i love it i think i'm just a sucker for the whole uh uh high school gang gets back together for one last hurrah um <laughs> as we'll see in in one of my other uh, picks for this season but uh, I, I, and, I and in that sense i really kind of like the romantic side of it not necessarily like um like romantic between um two partners but yeah. but even just like uh, romanticism the, the, yeah yeah like yeah. the romance in in the platonic connection between best friends and um simon pegg's just freaking amazing in it i think and, yeah um, it just really hit me hard and and yeah maybe it was watching it uh with other friends but i i just found it to be tremendous yeah i really love the world's end as well i will agree i think technically it is the least impressive of the three it's kind of the most yeah. normal of the three in terms of style it, it might be edgar wright's most normal movie in terms of style <laughs> wow um, Good for him. <laughs> but I, I do really love it. Um, I, I have to update my review, because I think I am a little too harsh if, on it in my review on Letterboxd, because um, mm, I great. recognize more and more clever setups and payoffs and the jokes every time I watch it, as with yeah. any Edgar Wright movie. Uh, I think the performances are really great. Um, you know, and I I see a lot of, the, of my relationships with my own friends, including you guys, in the relationships between the friends in the film, and this is going to sound extremely egotistical, but I, I do see some of Gary King in myself no, as well. Not even a little. Specifically, yeah. put, I, put down I that beer, this, Zach. No, no, no. My, my thing is, I have this deep worry of becoming like an immediate has been. I have this deep, oh, I have this deep fear of peaking in college or peaking in high school. And a big part of me worries that in 15 years, you guys are going to have jobs, and I'm going to rock up like Gary King. 
and say, instead of let's do the Golden Mile, let's do a season 15 of Cookie Pocket and get the gang back together. Which, oh, they aren't too different. I'll be um, like, Zach, I'm in Afghanistan. Yes. <laughs> Don't make me do this anymore. Yeah, but I, I, I think The World's End is an extremely relatable film. It's a really emotional film. It's a really funny film. I, I, I absolutely love it. So, yeah, I recommend all three of these movies. I also recommend them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Christian's input right there. So, oh, yeah. We will rundown go to time. the... Rundown where numbers go to Zach. I mean, Zach gives the numbers. Zach, I don't know. He, it, okay, the numbers go to Zach, but because it goes to his brain unconsciously. And he sure. consciously brings us yeah. the numbers of which rate what we give him but you're not describing yeah. this segment well cool. but okay excellent that no i think I'll describe you know what, your Zach... face well oh mm. I, I, mitchell you are you ready some, yes i am do you need some cold water i mean okay tap moving on water, <laughs> wow we're blowing this. okay go, go uh, three two one go cookie pocket is three headed night three out of five flesh wounds three out of five coconuts four out of five the French. Two out of five. English types. <laughs> three out of five. Between 16 and 19 and a half. Yeah, three out of five. Zach Garrigus as Prince Herbert. <laughs> Four out of five. The Knights Who Say Ni. Four out of five. Getting on with it. Four out of five. A good shrubbery that's not too expensive. Three out of five. Losing a son to gain a daughter. Two out of five. Tim. Three out of five. The Italian horror gore rabbit. Oh, four out of five. Mitchell Bardsley as a famous historian. Four out of five. Bobby's. Three out of five. The capital of Assyria. Three out of five. The SP Velocity of Unladen Swallow. Three out of five. Sir, not appearing in this film. Five out of five. Bringing class into it again. Three out of five. The British ultimately ruining it all. Two out of five. Intermission. Three out of five. Ah, opening credits. Ah, Four out of five. Ah. <laughs> did, did we make it? No. Uh, we have a few left over. Yeah, but... yeah, a few okay, days. all right. We had fun. Who's next? Uh, next would be Christian oh, with my his movie, which is... West Side Story, not directed Yay! by Steven Spielberg. Um, are there people in love <laughs> yeah. in it? Are there sure are. Yeah. Gosh, Who darn it. Gosh, I know. Darn it. I... I need more water. Leave me alone, okay? I'm just too happy. We do... What do we go? Oh. Link... I was about to reveal what mine was going to be. Like. No, no, we'll we'll let him have this. We'll let him have it. <laughs> He's been having it. As soon as we log off, I'm going to sit in a dark room and listen to "I Never Even Told You" from the end credits of Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, and I didn't even just know that was close my eyes and and feel everything that you two won't let me. West Side Story is an iconic musical <laughs> with, with really great choreography and and um. It, it's a product of its time, and I think it's worth discussing. Okay. Well, you have it. It's been episode 34 of Cookie Pocket. This podcast is about film. Everybody get ready to stop your recordings. <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to leave, and I will see you later. Woo, 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 woo. Bye. Woo, woo. <laughs>